Welcome back. This is the ninth episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me today to talk about community and collaboration is Canadian DJ, producer, and black arts label boss Scott Monteith, better known by his moniker, Deadbeat. Involved in electronic music for over 20 years now, first going to parties in his native Windsor, Ontario, before moving to Montreal, where he eventually became a fixture in the scene and one of New Tech Festival's first cohorts. Now based in Berlin for over a decade, he recently found a musical home at the infamous Chez Chéri studio in Neuken, where he recorded his latest album, Wax Poetic, for this a great resolve. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. So I read that when you were growing up, you were part of a church choir and that hearing all these voices sort of harmonizing together was a really kind of eye-opening experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a bit about those early experiences being part of a choir? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it would be, being being part of a choir was like a very, very directly related to the the um, musical experience, mm-hmm. the physical musical experience of, of and, 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 um, uh, as you say, I mean, hearing voices harmonize for the first time is a very sort of physical visceral experience, you mm-hmm. know, that's, um, um, but, uh, in the context of like, a whatever our, our larger topic, there's also there, there's also, um, I, I took a lot away from, um, as a youth in involved in the in the United Church in Canada in in terms of community, um, because particularly on the on the East Coast and in, and in like Ontario and 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 very strongly in the Eastern Townships in Quebec and and um, this was very um, the United Church was very connected to the like the humanist hippie sort of like scene you know like there's there's pockets of the eastern townships outside of Montreal where um, things probably haven't changed much since since like uh, 1968 or 1969 you know there was that community spirit that that was uh, that was prevalent even even within that environment I mean in what ways my dad was a United Church minister mm-hmm. and um, and uh, when you uh, finish your when you when you become a minister when you finish your your masters which in when you're a minister is called the masters of divinity the church gets to sort of um, send you wherever wherever they want kind of thing that you've got to do like a, your penance or whatever a certain amount of time where you've got to um, prove your worth and we got sent to the East townships in Quebec and um, uh, the cool thing about um, I, I mean in terms of in, in, if, if talking about if, if Christianity were a political spectrum the United Church would 
be very, very deep in the left-wing sort of socialist realm of thing. They ordained gay and lesbian ministers. Okay. They're very like a, nice. very progressive, yeah. you know, like a, um, and uh, in specifically, and it, it's not true of the church across the whole country, but specifically in that region of Canada, um, there the the youth ministry or the youth movements that they were involved with are are, are, are super super strong. And um, when very very early on in my teens, uh, got involved with um, the whatever summer camps, and they also did these youth forums where it would essentially be like um, a given topic would be picked for each one, and youth would get together in an elementary school gymnasium for a weekend and and discuss the topic you know and play music and super super hippie that you know? sounds like really they, nice though it was it was <laughs> awesome you know and it's and it's really and that really there was no i, I mean the interesting thing with that with that stuff and, and what that sort of instilled with me is like philosophically or, or theologically like i'm i would say that at this stage i'm a, i'm a devout atheist like i really don't have like a any connection to any uh religion and 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 disdain it in many ways you know but um it's difficult to say that um uh full-throatedly and, and really to be to be completely against the church when I had so many incredible experiences as a, as a result of this specific community. Mm. So going back to this kind of visceral feeling that you were talking about earlier, um, what do you remember feeling or thinking about hearing voices work together like that? I mean, personally, for me, when I think about songs that I like, the bits that really stand out to me are when the harmonies are really nice, you know? Mm. I think the thing is, it's really... In, in 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 singing in in the choir it was like it was like a, a there's the I mean in performing in performing music or performing any doing any sort of like a public action there is there's a rush that comes from uh, the fear of doing something in front of other people you know um, but beyond on top of that in in learning to sing with other people and, and the I, I can't I can't remember her name specifically but I remember there was this old woman who was like the sort of like secondary choir director right. who was like okay these are now I'm going to teach you what's called an alto part you know <laughs> the the physical feeling for me was really really akin to like learning math as a kid and like a, and being and 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 realizing that you've just learned a concept I don't know I mean I'm I mean in in a modern sense like um, if I mean the if if you want to learn to do anything these days the the easiest thing I mean what everybody does is you're like okay you Google search this and find a YouTube video right. that teaches you how to do X, you know, but on a, on a, on a lesser level, I think there's still like any time that you learn something new, if you, if you have a question and you learn something new, there is this feeling, this eureka mm. moment that you're like, oh wow. And now I know how to do this. And I think that was the, um, that's the physicality of the thing, you know, like that's, and, and that manifests as like, a, I'm, when you're singing with people that, that really manifests as like the hair standing up on the back of your neck and these, and these crazy f physical feelings. I mean, personally, I, I was in the choir as well when I was growing up and it didn't really hit me until a couple of years later, how I guess cool it was to be like singing with other people sort of thing. I was t like 10 or 11 at the time, you know, to be a kid and to be doing something that actually sounded really beautiful. Absolutely. You know? Do you think that's maybe one of the, I don't know, amazing things about music is that anyone can can make it, anyone can kind of participate? 
Well, sure. I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, if if the if if the 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 sort of like hippity dippity um, concept or or statement that gets pandered around so much of, of music being the universal language, mm-hmm. um, that's a really really sort of clear example of of that specifically, and and it is universal language because anybody can do it, and any two people in anywhere in the world can sit down and do something together and have that visceral physical experience mm-hmm. of doing so. I mean, is that something that you realized when you were doing it at the time? I mean, probably not, not. And I, I mean, I was 10, you know, like, I really, like, I probably, I don't think I thought about it that much. I think I was sort of more in, in the realm of like, holy shit, this is, this is cool. You know, like that's, that's probably what it came down to, you know? And so what about instruments? Um, would you say that, instruments are kind of meant to be played together. I don't know, thinking like bands, orchestras, things like that. Do you think that all of these things sort of have collaboration at their root? Yeah, I guess sort of like uh, they, they were, they were, they were mandated to do so in, in, in their creation, you know, that like the, that somebody was like, okay, I need, I need something that makes this frequency range or makes a voice like this or makes something and probably more, I mean, I have I have no idea. I mean, I'm not I'm not really well versed in the in the in the, the, the history of instruments, but it, you can imagine that like it was probably somebody who said, "I want something that sounds like this," you know. Um, but but yeah, there is there is certainly a collaborative aspect um, with with traditional acoustic instruments. You know that that they they um, they only the the results of their um, expression only gets better when you add more of them. I mean, do you think that's specific to music? Like I'm thinking about like art, for example. Art isn't necessarily better when you add more people. No, sure, and, and a painting's not necessarily better when you add more colors or more paint. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, going to, going back to this sort of like root level conversation about community, music is is truly the like the 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 one really community based. Art form. I mean, it takes a lot of people to build a film, but you've still got some egotistical maniac at the top telling everybody what to do, and that's and that's there's there's lots of examples in music where that's that's really not the case, and 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 where it's it's much freer. Is that freedom something that you thrive off of in terms of working on music yourself? Sure. Yeah. Totally. And I think and I think as somebody who like uh, to like whatever never even finished high school i mean that like to the 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 ability to be in an environment where you can learn at your own pace and and also be whatever recognized as or as an as an expert in things and or or or, or like a, or in some things and in actual not and it's not just the it, the recognition is not the important part that but but also to actually be an expert in something that you've spent hours and hours hacking away in your bedroom figuring out you know that like you you can actually talk with authority on a topic because you've spent the hours doing it so can you tell me a bit more about how you got into making music like i know you started playing piano and guitar right yeah but yeah. in a very like whatever typical teenage way you mm-hmm. get the lessons and 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 don't do the don't do the exercises and get in trouble with the teacher and you know like uh yeah of course yeah and then so how did you start making electronic music because I, I was born in in kitchener ontario and uh and when after this uh, period in in the eastern townships in quebec we moved back when i was about 13 I guess to, to Kitchener and hooked up with a group of guys who were who were in a band called Lucidity and, and were looking for a bass player and decided I'd never played bass before but was keen to do it and ended up playing bass 
just shortly there afterwards sort of fell into started discovering electronic music and 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 going to electronic music events and that very very quickly took over and i didn't really start in terms of like uh, making my own music i didn't i didn't start doing that until quite a few years later i mean until i moved back up to montreal when i was when i was 18 or 19 and so did discovering electronic music make you feel like part of a community like i think for a lot of people the music scene is like the first time that they really felt like really connected strongly well, that's, to that's something that that's something that i was thinking about a lot today before we got together because i was really like because the idea of the electronic music community is a is a term that gets that gets like uh, thrown around a lot and it's not something that you like you wouldn't necessarily in 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 previous decades or whatever they didn't talk about the, the punk, punk rock <laughs> the punk community you know and and more specifically i mean i mean in in terms of my own experience i mean the first sort of music that um or i don't know like a that like a cool kid music that i would say that i was into when i was a young teenager was like Nirvana and Mudhoney and the Melvins and 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 grunge, you know, like a, this, that's what it was called at the time. I mean, it was grunge, you know, the Soundgarden and all this stuff. But in in thinking about my own experience of that, I got to see all those bands um, in Toronto and 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 at Lollapalooza and went to go see Nine Inch Nails at the and during the when he was doing his Nothing Festival, like a, and but the thing is, is like if I if I looking back experientially. What I took from that is that, so I had the records and I had the friends who were into the records and we went and bought the tickets and we went and saw the concert. But it, in the end, um, looking back on it, after. well, no, but, but more than that, looking back on it today, um, that was really pretty much just a capitalist exercise. You know, I bought <laughs> the fucking t-shirt, I bought the record, mm -hmm. I went, I paid for the ticket to the concert. Um, and we sat around and listened to the music, but it didn't. But it didn't. It didn't foster anything. There's less involvement, I think. Well, there's there's the, no engagement. Yeah. I didn't in in going to the concert in in, in whatever after buying the record and the T-shirt and and arguing with with friends about which song was better. <laughs> going to the concert brought me no closer to the person making the music, or brought mm -hmm. me no closer to any f understanding of the person. Than, than what I had when I had the record to begin with, and there, and of course the 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 physical experience and the and the and the whatever visceral experience of seeing the concert and and whatever having your ears ringing for for three days afterwards from mm -hmm. the from the sheer volume of it was amazing, but there was no there was no sense of community that was even more so when when I sort of started to get more started to look for other things and started and and like as it from an extension of that like a, looking at like a going from like a, I guess the sort of like nodal connection would be um, I was into Nirvana and Soundgarden I found Nine Inch Nails from Nine Inch Nails I found Psychic TV and Throbbing Gristle and Front 242 and industrial music went looking for uh, community in industrial music uh, snuck into a couple of industrial music dance nights at <laughs> shitty bars in southern Ontario uh -huh. and found myself surrounded by a bunch of like near pedophile 40 year old men <laughs> and their 15 year old golf girlfriends Jesus. and you know like uh, and like horrible you know like, yeah. there was there was no community there so so discovering actual community within the electronic music scene was 
really and truly a revelation. I think so too. I mean, what do you think it is about dance music that makes it so adept to having a community around it? Well, I think I think the the, the at a, on a root level, on a, a root philosophical level, that the the first thing is that it doesn't have the typical archetypal star worship of or or didn't mm. or doesn't on 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 in in, in, its, in, its, on, in its in its best incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my early experiences of it. Um, there was no stage. There was no. There was nobody famous. There was no. There was no. Know who the hell was playing? It was a big dark club, with uh, with super loud music and the external experiences and lives of the people that were in that space were utterly irrelevant. You know, and it was and it was only about that space and about that insanely hardcore mind-bending experience you know (laughs) i mean for me personally i feel like my first really like true sense of belonging in terms of electronic music was when i went to mutech for the first time Mm. and i think a lot of people uh, i'm sure yourself included feel the same way can you tell me a bit about mutech and kind of what it's been like playing there and kind of watching it grow as a festival over the years Well, sure. i mean mutech mutech was like a mutech and i mean the the first festival in montreal took place in 1999 which also happened to be the first live set that I ever did, and the and really, the first, yeah, that's I, nice. Was, I played outside of Leica to <laughs> fifteen people, you know, which was uh, yeah, Leica was a tiny bar that Leica sadly no end longer of an exists. era, yeah, very sad, um, but um, yeah, it was it was that was. Um, that was an interesting it was an interesting period in Montreal because there was sort of there were there were a lot of people um, from throughout Canada who just kind of happened to be there at the at the same time um Alain Mangeau, who's the main curator for um uh or director for for Mutech had been working with the um Festival de Nouveau Cinéma et Nouveau Media previously um and it sort of touched on or 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 made um initial efforts for like a his vision of of what these sorts of events could be like and Mutech was the 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 point at which he sort of stepped out from that film world and and made it entirely about the music. It was an incredibly it was an incredibly exciting time because with the first edition he he and the and the rest of the team Eric Matson um and, and whatever a lot of other people involved but um he and Eric as the as sort of core curators for the first one basically kind of invited all of the artists from all over the world who they were really excited about within this realm of experimental electronic music mm-hmm. and um, what that did from a community standpoint for people like me and Mark Acufin and, and, and Jeff Milligan and Mike Shannon and, and people who were there, Canadians who were there at the beginning was it um, put our names into the larger pot for mm-hmm. the world. And I think it continues to do that. Today. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, um, I mean, another like a, a great example um, from recent years is uh, Carolise Coverdale, who's like a just a mind-blowingly, like shockingly talented musician who grew out of the same sort of mutech um, soil. Soil, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, going from from that period. I mean, if you look at like a Mark Acufin. Tim Hecker, you know, there's there's been a lot of, uh, and the interesting thing is what that um, 
what what Mutech did going forward as well is is exploded the confines of that community to because of international events. So all of a sudden from going from like a sort of core community of Montreal musicians and and Canadians like a from from throughout the country sort of having this very very lucky meeting for for a couple of years in Montreal all of a sudden that expands to to Chile and and to to Japan, Japan now and and Europe and and all over the place what do you think that mutech has taught you as an artist that you feel you couldn't have learned at a different music festival woof okay <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i mean i think I guess that the if 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 they've if 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 the experience of working with Mutech has taught me anything, um, I think it would be it, it, and it's more it would be more so um, the experience of 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 befriending and working with Alain is that you're always best to sort of stick to your guns and 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 stick with the stuff that that you really believe in. And I think that um, more so than any other festival and I would and I would really and I would and I would even um, I would say even within the realm of um, experimental electronic music and the sort of like a whatever cool kid festivals, you know, <laughs> like the um, I think that they to this day have done a better job of sticking to their guns than just about anybody. I think know? so too. I mean, I think the special thing for me about Mutech is, for example, we were in Barcelona a couple years ago mm. together at Mutech, and I really loved that Alain was also there, kind of just to like see what was going on and sort of make sure that everything was kind of on the same page as Mutech in Montreal. And I think that I'm pretty sure that he goes to all of the Mutechs around the world, which I think is quite different, for example, than like Picnic is also now doing picnics around the world. But I think it, they've just kind of like sold their concept it's not a franchise you know, exactly it's, it's it's not a it's not a it's not a franchise that's mm -hmm. for, that's for sure so you did an interview recently where the writer was asking you about when you first started learning to play uh, instruments and started kind of writing songs on your own and you talked a bit about emulation of other artists that you liked at the time and yeah. kind of that when you when you're first starting out you're sort of like copying a song not copying but uh emulating a song that you totally like copying. Yeah. <laughs> totally copying. um so do you think that sort of emulation is also a kind of collaboration like can collaboration exist when only one person knows that it's happening that's an interesting yeah no that's a that's an interesting take i mean i think that there's um um yeah, I think I think that that's that's really I mean that that the I I mean I, I it immediately bring brings to mind the idea of like the like a fledgling guitar player sitting and and playing Jimi Hendrix riffs over and over again, you know? <laughs> and um that um and I think that it does I think in a sort of like a weird sort of archetypal subconscious strange multi-dimensional way i think i think that totally does happen and that's totally mm -hmm. true and i also think that that um can lead to some very very hard meetings um for and i mean can or has <laughs> led to some very hard meetings for me in meeting people who are like um who are sort of who you have been emulating for years or have have learned so much from at at a distance meeting people in person can sometimes be really brutal and being like don't meet your Wait heroes a minute. oh you my know? god this guy's a dick like or you know or this yeah exactly you know like yes i was thinking it's sort of like if a remix if doing a remix for someone is a collaboration then like surely covering a song is also 
I don't think I mean, I'm really I'm really I, I'm I'm super super spiritually railing against um, online virtual collaborations these days for myself. I was, of course, um, really really excited about it. Um, at the beginning of things, I mean, me and Robert Monolake did this project, Atlantic Waves, like 15 years ago, where where we he built this Max <laughs> Patch, which was basically a, a drum machine that we could both play online, I and we did shows, you. you know, and and we did shows with this, and 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 for me at that at that time, 12 or 15 years ago, that was super exciting that we could do that, and it mm -hmm. was and it was really and at the turn of the millennium, that idea of collaboration as a distance at a distance was was really exciting, um, but these days I'm I'm really I'm just I become more and more allergic to it. We spend so much time online and behind screens and on our phones and everything. And I think that um, it, it, it makes me value actual physical same space collaboration mm -hmm. so much more. You know? I was going to say, like, do you think that like before when this kind of long distance collaboration wasn't as easily possible, it was really exciting. And like now that it's so possible, you're kind of like, eh. Let's go backwards again, sort of thing. No, no, completely. Mm. You know, like there's, I mean, I think we're all going to turn into Luddites and like, uh, whatever, <laughs> be, be back on the farm, you know, but like, uh, but I think there is, um, but I think, I don't think it's, 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 it's not just knee jerk reaction is, is what I mean to say is that is, is that there is the, the not total folly, but the, but the faults and, and, and the, and the things that you lose in that sort of collaboration after a certain amount of time have become apparent. So earlier we were talking about when you want to learn something, you look it up on YouTube or you Google it or whatever. So do you think that like, since everything is learned from someone or something else, is it ever possible to make music completely on your own? Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah completely. I think, I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really, um, I mean, I'm, certainly for me, anyway, I, I find it really, really easy to to just sort of shut shut the world out, and I think that, and I think that's, I think all the best stuff comes from that. Do you think that? I mean, maybe not because you just said this, but do you think that mu music is sort of innately better when it has a few people working on it? Like, just in terms of, you said in an interview uh, a couple years ago that your two main challenges are the proverbial eureka moment and kind of trying to get all your ideas out, and then it's opposite of not having anything to say. So, do you think that collaboration sort of resolves these problems for you? Totally. I mean, in, in many ways, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is like, I mean, certainly with the second, anyway, all it takes is like uh, somebody else in the room with you be like, oh, come on, buddy, like, go for it. Like, try and, uh, you know, there's something in there, work it out, you know, that little, little bit of encouragement is good. The Eureka moments, maybe not, maybe not quite so much. And, and I think that's something that's more personal in that. And that's, that's why I'm saying whatever, in answer to my previous conversation of whether it's possible to make music completely on your own. Yes, and and the really, really super good stuff, the, the really unique stuff comes from being totally on your own. Mm. Do you remember the first time that you worked with someone on a project that you really loved and what was so special about that experience? Yeah, I mean, I guess I get, I mean, the... Uh, on a project, like a, on a project that was actually released, I mean, I think probably the first, the first one that was like, that had that sort of magic, um, you don't need to talk because it all just flows. Is like when I was doing Crack House with Steve Beaupre. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we used to, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds, it sounds really juvenile, but it was really juvenile. I mean, we used to sit around and drink, drink forties and, and, uh, trade bars on Fruity Loops, you know, (laughs) but it was like, but we made, but we made really, really funny. And, and I think actually, I mean, I was listening to some of it recently. I mean, pretty weird experimental (laughs) shit as well. Like that it was, that it was so fucked up and, and yet still so danceable and funny was I think is, is 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 super cool. What role does collaboration play in dub and reggae? Like I was kind of trying to look this up before I got here, but uh, I couldn't find too much information about it, but I gather that these these genres are a bit more sort of social than electronic music. Sure. I mean I mean if you look at I mean you can you can find I mean if you dig around and look for like videos of like a uh, classic studio sessions with like King Jammies and King Tubbies like in, in the 70s like in in Jamaica, I mean, the studios were packed with people. They mm-hmm. were like there was there was always tons of people hanging around the studio, and there were and there were singers hanging out in the yard waiting to come in and do their versions. You know, like it was very 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 community based. I mean, there was also I mean, in 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 much the same way as um, there has been this sort of like capitalist dark side to the music industry for for in in and, and continues to be now. There's like a I mean, unfortunately the so-called producers and the guys who own the studios ended up taking all the rights to the music and making all the money and, and paying them peanuts to do their thing. Um, but I'm sure on the on the day, like the the root level of community of everybody sitting around in the yard and, and having a laugh and, and, and making tunes was was a very positive experience, you know. So what do you think it is about electronic music that makes it seem like such a sort of solitary genre? Like, I guess, when you think about, like, the DJ or the bedroom producer sort of thing, like, when I think about it, it's more of, like, a solo sort of genre. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I think that's the, um, that 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 um, stems from directly uh, from the marketing of the tools that electronic music is is made with that all of the tools synthesizers computers are all marketed as you don't need anything else band <laughs> in a can you yeah. can do everything yourself you mm-hmm. know and that's and that's the way that that it's been marketed and that's the way that and, and that's the way that it's perceived in the in the wild, wider world you mm. know? do you think that's a shame I mean is that something you're actively sort of trying to change maybe not for the public in general but for yourself yeah I mean I've I've certainly like a with 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 recent work, I mean, I've been trying to get, I mean, having, having the studio and, and, and being, being, sharing the studio with such talented musicians. Um, I've, I've been integrating and them into the process. I mean, they, I, I mean, I'm like, it's like, it's a choice. They're here, you know, they, they, they arrive and they're Stuck like, Oh, them. that sounds good. That synth sucks. You should, why don't I play some guitar instead? And I'm like, great. And it's like, those hi-hats are boring. Why don't we play hi-hats? I'm like, great. Okay. Boom. It's not even, it's not even that like a, there's no sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm not in some sort of grand director's chair being like, okay, I need this and please come do this. And right. I'm going to give you a hundred bucks to do it. It's like, it just happens. And that sounds like a much more satisfying way to make music. It certainly is, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah. And to be, again, I mean, it's, 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 all those, it goes back to the, like from the, to the very root level of what I was saying about what originally drew me to the electronic music community, um, was this very sort of socialist, um, we're all in this together, um, whatever, hippy dippy mood, <laughs> you know, and, and that, this, this studio, I mean, there's, there's lots of studios in Berlin, you know, and 
I've I've seen a lot of them, and and uh, and and even even just electronic music studios, and and a lot of them you walk into and it looks like a fucking dentist's office. It's like it's really you don't want to touch anything. You're afraid to touch anything. Yeah. You know. And this feels very homey. Totally. I mean, we're here smoking cigarettes and, and <laughs> drinking beers and during the day, and and and. But at the same time, like it's it's, whatever. The the kitchen like um, you. Dishes usually need to be done, you know, like nobody unloads the dishwasher and there's always <laughs> piles of bottles. But, but at the same time, they're working on the film score for like a, for a huge movie. And Ben's working on a dance piece and, and Marco's here during the day working on an album. I'm here working on an album and people come in and do mixing and remixes and get us to do stuff all the time, you know. So it's, so it's not, it's a real place, you know. It may not look as great as the dentist's office <laughs> in the photos. I think it, it looks better. You know? Should we talk about your album? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell me a bit about uh, Wax Poetic for this, Our Great Resolve? It's made up of pretty much all collaborations, right? Well, yeah, in, in a way. I mean, the thing at the... the, the at, a, at a root level, it was like the, the reason for... The motivation for it was, um, like everybody else, sort of just being frustrated with the state of the world, if you read the news. And, mm-hmm. Um, but also being a little bit um, done with uh, or being, um, I don't know, sick of the of the knee-jerk reactions, um, not just within electronic music, but like, but talking about electro- electronic music specifically for a second. Politics get, the classic thing is politics gets bad and all of a sudden there are a hundred um whatever faceless black techno records with vaguely political stamper artwork mm-hmm. um that is just pounding like a relentless techno and to me i was like well wait a minute i understand i mean i i get it everybody's pissed off and and that's and that's a that's a great way to vent but it was also like well, what else? I mean, what else? What else? Like, a, like, is is that? It's. I mean, it, it ended up it, uh, to a certain extent. It sort of. It it felt to me like, um, and 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 not just in techno, but in 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 Facebook posts, Twitter posts, all sorts of other art and music and everything. And it's like, well, how fucking juvenile, you know? Like, okay, yeah, you're pissed. So are we, you know? So what happens? Outside of that, what happens? What happens after that? What are you doing with that? Ranting on Facebook or Twitter is, is like a, screaming into a paper bag. You know, it's, loop. It's, yeah, there's there's nothing there, <clears throat> and for me it was really like, how do you get out of this? Well, if you if you if you're feeling shitty and if you're feeling angry and if you're feeling sad, like the the thing that you the thing that the the thing that takes you out of that is hope. So. The idea was just asking, sending a sort of blanket email being like, hey guys, I'm going to start this new album project and I would like you to send me messages of hope. Point. No, no. That was all the explanation you gave. No context, no nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I sent it out to a lot of people um, and, and was pretty surprised with the number of responses that I got. And those ended up being quotations of famous poetry and um, one friend who just read randomly like a, a political text that he was reading at the time some stuff that people wrote themselves uh phonetic word games in japanese like uh, all sorts of stuff you know and, mm-hmm. and in six different languages and sort of took that as i mean i had been kind of floundering around working on beats and working on melodies but with no in, sort of intention about things being like i gotta make another album i gotta mm-hmm. make another album like freaking out you know 
Um, but when all those things came in, then, then it all became immediately obvious. Like it was just from, from the cadence of the way that somebody was speaking from the, from, from the, in, from the content, from the, whatever the, um, actual, um, verbal comment content was, what the meaning of what people were saying drove things toward different beats or different, different things. And, and it, they were, it was quite literally all built around, around those initial recordings. You know? So then how did it work exactly to kind of make those recordings into an album? Like I gather that you sort of used them as vocals or whatever, and then you did the production underneath sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's basically it. It was it was really, but I mean, it, it led to all sorts of like um, tangential um, creative work because I was like, okay, so everything has come, everything's come through a microphone. People either sent their recordings on WhatsApp or whatever different different uh, different media, and I was like, okay, what? And listening to them, I was like, okay, well now I've got the I've got a bit of the room of all these different places and the places, and I was like, okay, well then microphones you know i was let's let's record everything through microphones so even the synthesizers even the shitty hand clap sample off the off the laptop was re-recorded through mm -hmm. a microphone so it's all air and all about it. and this got me really like i really tripped out on this idea because in in i mean it's such a normal mundane thing but like uh like the microphones that we're talking into right now like the idea if you really get down to the, like the the technical aspects of it that we are speaking and it's vibrating this tiny metal membrane and going down a wire and and then can be transmitted and whatever it's it's pure magic like it's it's absolutely incredible you know and then even getting more hippy dippy thinking about the idea of the air of the room or the <laughs> moment of whatever like that 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 influenced this recording um became really whatever sort of a crucial aspect of the whole process, you know? Do you think that the messages of hope that you set out to achieve were achieved here with this album? I hope so, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I really think, I mean, I think that the, um, with, with m only maybe a couple of exceptions, I mean, I think that the content is ambiguous enough um, to be appreciated um, out of context. I don't think there's, there's no, there's uh and I think that, I mean, the, the problem with any political artwork, regardless of the medium, um, is that generally speaking, it timestamps the artwork mm -hmm. for whatever time period it's talking about. Um, and I think that, and I was quite conscious of in, in editing the stuff that I got from people that there weren't any references to, now there were no references to right. Trump or or anything <laughs> like this, you know. That, so I hope that it's something that will stand the test of time to a certain extent. So what has it been like for you to work in this studio? You've sort of talked about it a bit, but maybe you can just kind of briefly tell me a bit about the studio's history for people who might not be aware of it. Yeah, well, the the the, the Shea Cherie was started by by Cherie and and Pese Noct. Um, um, I don't know how many years ago, but uh, the other people sharing it are Ben Lauber and uh, Tilman Hoff, and uh, and T Romschmiede, and they've been here for they've been here for a number of years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, as you saw walking in, it's a really like a, um, it's a 
giant pile of uh, a possibility. There are lots of pianos and organs and mm -hmm. guitars and synthesizers and really, it's really the sort of, I mean, <clears throat> from my perspective anyway, and, and when, and the first time that I walked in, it's a, it's a dream studio for somebody who's, um, not, um, more of, of the mind of the dentist's office that you find in other places. I was going to say, it know. seems more inspiring to be in this space than well, a kind for of me, dentist and I, and office I, and space. I imagine, I imagine for, I imagine for some other people on the, on the other, on the other side of things, I mean, there's other people that the, like the hyper organization and, and, uh, of, of, of the other studios we were talking about might be more inspiring for them, you know? Sure. Um, but, uh, as I say that, I mean, I think it, it, there's a, there's a, the fact that the, that the kitchen is a, is the central node in the studio, um, says a lot philosophically about the place. <laughs> and, and we spend a lot of time sitting at the kitchen table and, and talking about projects and talking about ways that we can help one another. I, I mean, I think, I think the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's for me also, it was the other thing that was a, that was a big change and that's influenced the new album a lot was it's the first studio that I have worked in and had access to that wasn't a um, purpose-built electronic music studio. There's shitloads of guitars and basses and horns mm -hmm. and drums and pianos and everything here. That too led to the like, okay, let's do everything with microphones. The that too leads to the sense of collaboration and community. You know, when you've got instruments lying around all over the place and incredibly talented musicians that you're sharing the space with. That if you're like why would I slave over editing hi-hat patterns in Ableton when I've got two insanely badass drummers sitting <laughs> next door mm -hmm. that I can be like, hey, Ben, do you want to, can you come and play hi-hats? And he's like, yeah, sure, mm. let's do it. I mean, the press notes for this album said that the album's sort of success depended on the studio and these kind of late night conversations that you guys were having. Um, can you tell me about that? Like, what what role did this studio play in this album in particular? Well, yeah, I, I mean, everybody, everybody, um, Ben, Marco played on it literally. Tillman did the mixing, and and uh, Pizze and Sherry were were here, like um, listening, giving feedback, talking about it constantly. You know, and and it's really like we all kind of live here twenty four seven. There's always somebody doing something you know and somebody comes and pokes their head and it's like this and, and it's like adds bits of information and bits of criticism and encouragement that like uh that make the whole thing work in an interview of yours from i guess a couple of years ago now you were talking about sort of the power of music to lead people and you were talking about being reminded of that when you were watching pete seeger clips from like the 40s and 50s yeah, or something totally. like this can you talk a bit about i don't know i guess sort of the power of music to lead people and sort of what you were thinking in terms of this album? I mean, I think I think there. I mean, I don't think that this. I don't think that any of these. Uh, I mean, none of these are. I don't think any of the songs in, in on this album are rallying cries, and they're but they're not. Um, and it, and I don't think. And that's only. I say that um, specifically because I don't think it, like aesthetically they're like a. They're not bangers. They're more. They're ruminations. You know. They're. Um, but um, I mean, going looking at the Pete Seeger reference, I mean, it, it is an insanely powerful experience to see this gangly, like a skinny white man in front of like a giant, like a whatever, like a union rallies or in, in or and, and even more viscerally maybe in, in, in front of 
African-American church communities where they've just had members of the community murdered singing we shall overcome and leading them in song and like a, it's, it's like a really like that's that's it's insane shit that's mm-hmm. really 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 strong um i think that um in a in a modern sense i mean i think some of the some of the places i, I mean i i can i can imagine i can remember seeing one specific clip for instance of uh, Black Madonna DJing, um, and when she finishes, this young girl coming up to her and being like, blah, blah, and you can't hear what she's saying, but she's it's, she's like obviously like, oh my god, you're blah blah blah, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I love you so much, and, blah, 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 and the big hug and everything, and it's like this thing that happens right at the end of this YouTube clip. It's like of her playing some huge festival, and it's like a nothing in in terms of the or what her uh, what her agent use the clip to sell mm-hmm. things for but but seeing that i was like oh my god that's that's the thing like that's that's the thing that makes the hair stand up on your neck and you're like that's wicked you know that's amazing i interviewed jeff mills a couple of years ago and he was saying that artists who are working to say something with electronic music are very rare these days that there's no bob dylan in electronic music i mean what do you think i personally i think like on maybe not on such a big level as bob dylan but like i think instances like the one that you just mentioned i think isn't that like saying something with electronic music enough, you know? I think that there's, I think that there's, I think you need to make a, um, a, a distinction between saying something with electronic music and saying something um, within the electronic music machine. That there's, and there, and that I think that there are people saying things and there's, it might even be three-tiered that you might have, that you have um, electronic music, the actual stuff, mm-hmm. electronic music, the community, and electronic music, the industry, you know? And I think that there's a lot of people, the, when things start to get inky is when um, the crossover happens between when people start to say things, but you're unsure as to whether they are saying it from the perspective of... Uh, the industry, aka the thing that allows them to eat and makes them money, and their part in the community, quote mm-hmm. unquote. That's a that's a very uh, sticky area, and I think that's... So the, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know? <laughs> I mean, you said in an interview a couple of years ago that just getting together and dancing together is like a political statement that's enough sort of thing. Yeah, you know, like you said, electronic music gets regularly painted as an apolitical space, but the very act of getting together with people is powerful in itself. That's 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 incredibly well documented. I mean, that's that's incredibly, I mean, love saves the day, you know? I mean, that's <laughs> like uh, black folks and gay folks and white folks and, and queer folks of all stripes and everybody getting together and dancing is a, that, that is a political statement in its own right. Why do you think that music has that? power in that sense more so than like art or theater or film for example like is it just because it's easier for people to kind of get involved especially with dance music i think that dance music corrodes at least if if not completely breaks down um economic barriers and criticism of of dance music that somebody is a well-paid critic for the new york review of books or that somebody is a stock trader or that somebody is a triple PhD has no bearing on what they think of Steve Poindexter's 
work that motherfucker you know like <laughs> you like it or you don't you know like and what they say about it has no more value than what the guy in the street says didn't i think nick hopner called his album like a couple of years ago was called volk that it was it was the music of the people you know and and it's here in berlin i mean you've lived here for a number of years i mean you really get the it may be less obvious or not or, or maybe more of a more of a stretch for people living outside of berlin to to sort of quantify but like uh but here techno is the is folk music it's the music of the people it's the music of the everyday finish finish work and grab a beer and and go have at it in front of a speaker you know what are your hopes for how we use music in the future? Is there something that's not being done with music now that you hope will happen in the future? Yeah, I think I think that there's I think that there's a there's a transitional period right now in terms of but but this is changing too. I mean, I think there's a transitional period right now in terms of um, how um, artists are remunerated for for music these days like the just from my own small perspective i mean there's 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 for many years there's been this huge complaint about like oh streaming's killing music and in actual fact streaming's getting so big now that like it's starting to balance out and with a few tweaks to the way that things are the way that royalties are paid out in that in that format um i could see it balancing out at some point my only concern these days is that the that the the, the unique environments that I grew up in um, as 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 whatever backwards technologically as those as those huge sound systems were in a lot of cases um, that the that the physical experience of that dark room where everybody's the same and there's no fucking lights on the DJ and 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 we're all in this together ends up being preserved and what about your hopes for how you use music in the future i just want to keep making this shit man i can't i can't i can't like uh yeah i mean i i have to you know it's it's that's 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 all i've got you know and i and i hope that i'll be able to continue to sort of have a, a reasonably comfortable existence doing so i mean i don't need much you know like uh, i don't I'd, I'd prefer not to be that total cloistered monk you know eating <laughs> bread and water every day but but if i can keep doing it then then that's all i need